It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Lucas Moore. Yes, Sports Fan, 97 WATH, 97.1 FM. Tuesday on the program, man, it just the weeks go by a little bit slower when you're working full time, Ryan. I I think that's one thing. I think that school weeks went by a little bit faster than than work weeks, I think. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to the uh, big boy world. Yeah, I don't know. It's just you got to get up and do it again every day, (laughs) you know, which is fine. It's still better than school, but I don't know. It's a grind, man. It's like uh, you are embarking on the the 40 year-ish grind yeah <laughs> but you're right it's not all bad but it makes a week it does make the weekends feel more deserved yes and, and yes. uh i think they're they're just it's easier to relax on a weekend um after hard weeks of work uh hard day of work today for us at least only 40 minutes so not as hard as it normally would be reds are coming on at 6 40 uh we had the copperheads play earlier today at 11 30 a.m an early one they had their first game against the cincinnati steam which Ryan and I both broadcast for the Copperheads. We know how much the steam are a rival of uh, Southern Ohio. And uh, Ryan Copperheads were able to pick up a win today. I don't know if you've been able to make it out to a game as of yet, but three and four to start the season, a uh, pretty solid start for them. Yeah, I, I was out at, uh, they had a 2 nothing setback the other day at Bob Wren. I was there, uh, the offense not clicking on that particular day. You know, it, the thing about a long baseball season, particularly the summer season, when you have so many moving pieces and, you know, the Copperheads have gone through, you know, their own, you know, version of kind of a bumpy ride to begin this thing. It's not uncommon to start a little slow and then and then catch a little fire. You know, anybody that's leading the, the GLSCL right now, uh, and I think it's Hamilton and Lima, but but. That that's not a guarantee. It's not a foregone conclusion that that's that's going to stay that way. So, uh, yeah, it seems like they're they're getting the the feel back a little bit, getting getting closer to five hundred. Uh, so so should be should be all good vibes from the the Southern Ohio front. Well, especially when you have a manager change two weeks before the season. You that's know, right. You, you talk about early season. Can things go a little bit haywire? Can things go left and right? One thing that's a really positive note. Um, though is the Southern Ohio Copperhead starters. We've got Joey Medor joining us on the line. He's one of the play-by-play voices of the Southern Ohio Copperheads. Joey, the Copperhead starters this year have been really, really good. When, you, when we look down the line, uh, Mandela, Hanson, Iverson, Worsing had the one bad start, and then Zazaro. This is their average start, Ryan. Five and two-thirds innings pitched, five hits, only allowing 1.4 runs, two walks, 4.7 strikeouts. That's their per-start and that's really, really good. Joey, can you comment on what Jake Hansen was able to do today in the victory and the starting staff as a whole? It looks like it's it's one of the bigger strengths of this ball club. Yeah, Lucas. I mean, looking at Hansen today, I mean, you were there. You saw he had a little bit of a rocky first four innings. You know, a lot of traffic on the base pass. Wasn't exactly getting the grip on his curveball that he needed. As you saw, he's a two-pitch guy, fastball, curveball. He can throw his curveball in any count, in any situation for a strike. And, you know, it wasn't really working out for him those first few innings, but that fourth inning he came out, and I was call- talking to Coach Dunphy after the game, and he was just talking about how it seemed like everything started to click for him. That curveball started to drop in there for strikes. He was getting guys off balance, you know, a lot of ground balls, able to work quickly through his last three innings there, and it was a, really a big outing getting into the sixth inning, not having to use the bullpen too much. But, yeah, the starters have been 
astounding so far for the Copperheads. As you mentioned, the worst start was uh, Worsing, and even still, when he gave up those five runs and eight hits, he pitched five innings. So he was able to eat up innings for the Copperheads, which is so key with the bullpen being as thin as it is right now in the season. So the starters have been uh, phenomenal in the first seven games. Yeah, Joey, can you comment on, you mentioned Austin Dunphy. How is he adjusting? He's seven games into being a manager. He didn't expect to be a manager. Guy graduated from Meg, so he's, he's familiar with the area. How is he adjusting in this, in this first week of the season? Uh, I mean, he just seems ecstatic. You know, anytime you talk to him, it's, you know, he grew up as a little kid. He went to Copperheads games. It's, it's really a dream come true for him. And, you know, he's, he's making do. You know, uh, he's trying to figure out, you know, a lot of different lineups, a lot of different guys playing different positions. He's trying to figure out everything that's going on right now. But, you know, they've been in every game. They easily could have won all seven of the games that they've played in, in my opinion. And, you know, he's adjusting well. How about Ben rushing today? That's who I was impressed with. He had the first home run of the season over the right field fence. A, a no doubt, a really oppo shot, at least in my mind. It came off the bat, and I saw it uh, going over the right field wall at Bob Wren. And he had a two RBI single, which kind of sealed the deal uh, in today's 6 2 victory over the Cincinnati Steam. He's been a good contributor out of that cleanup spot, along with Sebastian Favic, who right now is leading the GLSCL in batting average. Those two seem to be the ones that are carrying the offense early in the season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, rushing, and that pitch wasn't an easy pitch to hit that he drove out over that right field wall. You know, kind of a good location on the outside part of the plate, but he just put a really good swing on it, and he showed off his power for sure. Uh, He's out of the UCF. He's been one of the main fixtures in the lineup, and, I mean, you can't say enough about Sebastian Favic so far this season. Has at least one hit in all seven of the games, batting at four sixty-two right now, has three doubles, three RBIs. He's walked six times. The kid's on base. Every time you look up, Sebastian Favic is on bases wreaking havoc for the Copperheads. You know, he was one of the nominees for Player of the Week last week. Didn't end up getting it. But, I mean, if Favic stays like this the whole season, who, I mean, sky's the limit for this kid. And you mentioned Player of the Week. That shifts us right over to Pitcher of the Week, which was Thomas Cesaro, who is also the leadoff hitter for this team, and he's batting around 260 right now. He was a major contributor on the record-breaking squad last year. Is he assuming a leadership role in the locker room as a guy that both pitches and hits and was and is familiar with the Southern Ohio culture? Oh, you can tell that Thomas's voice in the clubhouse is very key to this team. You know, he's kind of stepped into the leadership role, being one of the only, one of the only two returners on this year's club. And, I mean, Saturday night, it was just amazing watching him mow down the Richmond Jazz. The time that he took the mound against them, they were leading the league in batting average. And he went eight and two-thirds innings, only allowing one run on the infield single in the ninth inning. He was one out away from a complete game shutout, only giving up five hits. So, I mean, you can't get much better than that. And, you know, he's been a fixture at the top of the order as well. And he's going to continue to be the leader throughout the season. Coach Dumpy referred to him as the bulldog on this team. So, definitely a key contributor and will be throughout the season. All right, before we get you out of here, Joey, let's look ahead at the next two games against the Cincinnati Steam, both games at Bob Wren Stadium. And, and Ryan remembers when his time in, in Southern Ohio, Ryan, these these games against the Steam, they're, they're big ones. They always tend to matter come the end of the season. Now, and you remember how intense some of those Steam rivalries were, Ryan. Yeah, the, the Steam and then also the Lima Locos, of course. Those, oh, are, yeah. those are the two big ones, you know. So it, it doesn't matter when you play teams like that. And, and the funny thing is... Uh, it's it's a transferable rivalry in the sense that you get only you know two or three guys. We were just talking about it. Two guys coming back this year, but but they're able to take that 
the the knowledge of the rivalry and then and then hand that off to their new teammates you know and and it's quickly absorbed by everybody on that bench uh the coaching staff obviously you know Dumphy Dumphy's been here before oh, he he's also been through a lot yeah, of those so games. so he knows it as well so yeah it it makes it all the more fun and and really all the more important even though we're early in this season so I, I, my question for you then, Joey, is what's the plan with the pitching rotation? Are we going to stay the same right now as it looks? It looks like Iverson Worsing for the last two games against this series and then back to Cesaro. Is that how it's going to stay? Is Worsing going to get another shot in this rotation? Oh, I think for sure uh, Sam Worsing's definitely going to get a shot in this rotation. I mean, he had a great year out of uh, Wright State, went 7-0, had a sub-4 ERA, and, you know, the kid has good stuff. I mean, he got touched up a little bit in his first outing for sure, but I definitely would think that he would be starting in one of these next two games. Now, Iverson, on the other hand, not sure since he's been in the field ever since his last start. And uh, I don't know who else is going to be available as a starting pitcher as Mandela pitched Sunday, so you figure he's going to have a few days off. Uh, Nick Kaiser pits today. He's been more of a relief role for the team. So it should be interesting to see. I would definitely expect to see Worsing at some point in this series, but we'll see what Coach Dumphy has in store. Yeah, and Dumphy's a pitching guy, so I'm sure that he'll be able to figure it out, and uh, the rotation should get clearer. But I think Mandela, Hanson, Cesaro, give me those three, the way they're pitching early. I, I think you can plug and play the other two spots in the rotation. I think you've got a, a, a trio that can you know, be a playoff team in this league, Joey. And, and I was talking about this today. Um, and, and thanks, Joey. Thank you so much for joining us on the show Excellent job, as always. You can catch Joey um, on the YouTube stream. Um, him and Connor Mills doing an excellent job this season. Joey, really appreciate you joining us on the Sports Fan. Oh, yeah, anytime, Lucas. Love to be on. That was Joey Medora out of Baltimore, Maryland. Big-time Baltimore guy. But what I was saying to Joey, and uh, you know, this is my message to Copperheads fans, is that this is not going to be the team they were last year, Ryan. I mean, they're just not going to be that, that ball club. They're not going to win 31 games, only lose, what, 11? And, and then roll through the playoffs. It's just, you had a change of coach, which means you lost some talent heading into the season. Uh, Austin Dumphy's going to get adjusted early. I just don't think they're the same squad. They don't have a player like Blaine Krim on their roster, who Blaine Krim did not belong in the Great Lakes League last year. He really should have been in some of the higher leagues in the country. But he loved the Copperheads so much, and this is all credit to the Copperheads organization, that he decided to come back to them. And he absolutely dominated. One league MVP. You don't have that guy. So I don't think they're going to be that dominant team. But that doesn't mean they can't be like the Copperheads teams of your and I's time, which is compete for the playoffs, hopefully make it, and see if you can do some damage when you get there. And I think with the the starting three, uh, with uh, Zazaro, Mandela, and Hanson, I think those three guys can be good starters throughout the year. And then I think they've got enough talent in the lineup to scratch out wins and uh, make the playoffs, which I think would be a success following that record-breaking season. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And and to your point, you know, it, it the, the, a league like this, the the summer baseball leagues, all of them, not not just the GLSCL, but but they the the success of a team often depends heavily on on kind of finding a diamond in the rough, you know, and and, and also it depends heavily on what your organization is all about. And, and we're really fortunate here in Southern Ohio because we have the ability to offer a legitimate D1 college baseball stadium and facilities, uh, a beautiful college campus, some nice housing. At least I think it's still the same way it used to be in yeah. that regard. Um, you know, so th- this is a really neat summer experience for the guys. You know, so yeah, so most years Southern Ohio is competitive because they're able to to solicit themselves out in, in a really attractive way. 
and and then they do often get some of these diamonds. You know, some of these guys that maybe don't belong in the league, but they like what Ohio, uh, what, what Southern Ohio is all about. So they join the roster, and and it makes them as good as they've been. But you're right, this year's a little different, uh, a, a tumultuous start to say the least. So. You know, the key is is hanging tough early, which they've done. You know, stay right around 500. Wait for your moment to, to make a push. You know, in, in this league, it's proven time and time again that you don't have to finish 10, 15 games above 500. If you do, that's great. But you don't have to to make the playoffs. You know, that there, there there's a lot of... of there's a lot of parity in this league. Teams beat each other all the time. It's not like you're going to have three or four teams typically. Yeah, I mean, it's baseball at the end yeah, of the day. It's, amen. So, so, so hang around. Get through this tough little start, you know, and, and I think the other big thing, and this goes to your pitching point, you, you got to hope that health is on your side and you got to hope that longevity is on your side from a pitching perspective because when you get to the postseason, you know, after 40 or so regular season games, you, you don't want your rotation to be worn so thin that they can't bring their best stuff. You know, I, I broadcasted a year or two where guys had to be shut down because they had thrown so many innings and their their coach at their NCAA Division One program had said, hey, they're done throwing. That's it. We're not. We're not allowing any more this summer. Uh, so, so you want that longevity. Uh, you you want some consistency in the pen and, and and make sure you're as fresh as possible come postseason time. But I'm with you. You know, this will be a competitive team, just maybe not built quite like the one of last year. It'll be interesting to see for sure. But uh, I, I was a good good atmosphere today for an 11:30 first pitch. I, I quite enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Ethel Pierce was there. I'm sure she's listening. Uh, she told me you better talk copperheads today. So I, I made sure we fit it in. Uh, fitted in to start the show. Three and four start for Southern Ohio, but a big win today against Cincinnati. It was a big loss last night um, for the Golden State Warriors in terms of injury, but a big win on the court. Ryan and I will discuss that and what that means moving forward in the NBA Finals. That's next on the Sports Fan 97 WATH. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, JK Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at JK be of service from groundbreaking to completion. Don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call JK Contracting at 7 Seven four zero six nine eight thirty five twenty one for a free estimate. Ohio has over nine hundred and twenty thousand diabetics. If you are a diabetic, take a step in the right direction by having your feet checked routinely by a podiatric physician, the most qualified doctors to care for your feet. Adding a podiatrist to your healthcare team can help you better manage the effects of diabetes on your feet. Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association podiatric physicians are located throughout the state. For more information or to find a member of the Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association near you, visit associationsadvanceohio.com. Owner-operator truck drivers, have you been dreaming of getting out of your old rig and into the driver's seat of a brand new semi-truck? SFI Trucks and Financing is leasing semi-trucks for low to no money down and will work with almost any credit situation. Freightliners, Peterbilts, Kenworths, Internationals, and Volvos, all equipped with new technology and driver comfort features. Plus, our 24-7 maintenance support team will keep your truck running so your business can keep moving forward, too. Learn more at SFITrucks.com. That's SFITrucks.com. Dale's Valero in Uptown Athens has all your needs covered, whether it be gas or a snack, but especially beer. Come check out the revolutionary new Beer Garage with over 200 new types of beer 
and an expanded craft beer selection. Dale says, if you think a cave is cold, wait until you step into our garage. Dale's Valero is open early and open late, so come on by to Dale's Valero in Uptown Athens. Current televisions being built today have a mean time to failure of one to three years. The, The manufacturers have no want to maintain anymore. So they're looking at selling, not maintaining. They only make money when they sell new. And the new is going cheaper and cheaper. The advertised cheap price uh, is what everybody bites on. People will buy the new because that's what's there. That's what they want. They want the newest they can get usually. But if you have a television repaired in today's world, normally that TV will buy you more time than a new replacement. They can be repaired for half or less of that replacement then that makes it worth it. I'm Dave Russell. I own TV Supply Company. I'm at 136 Columbus Road. Stop in with your repair needs. Anything that's electronic. Sports fan, 97 WATH. 97.1 FM. Some of you listening on the online stream. Hello. How are you? I wonder if somebody said hello back. That'd be that'd be quite interesting. NBA Finals last night. What was it last night? Last night? Yeah. Oh yeah. You you ignored my invite. No, you, I you no, ditched I me again. I didn't ditch you, Ryan Boyd. I'll tell you that. You were yeah. like, yeah, it sounds like a great time. Let me know where you're going. I even texted you a change of location. You did. You did. I I unfortunately had something come up. Uh, I don't want to get into it, but it yeah, unfortunately. No, you're good. You don't have to get into it. I yeah. didn't, didn't ask you to get into some, it. Some personal matters going on that I had to, that I had to work through. But anyways, I, I did get to watch the game at the very least. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got to watch it because we're about to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, not as lighthearted, though, for uh, Kevin Durant. And uh, that was just – Kevin Durant comes out 11 points for those of you that didn't, didn't see the game. 12 minutes, 11 points. Just looked absolutely dominant. Uh, Troy Bolin was eating his words – uh, from the show yesterday, and then pop, Achilles goes, and Kevin Durant goes down, and uh, we've got a sound clip to play. Bob Myers in the post game press conference uh, announcing what type of injury Kevin Durant had. Here he is. Uh, Kevin had a, it's it's an Achilles injury. I don't know uh, the extent of it. He'll have an MRI tomorrow. Um. Prior to coming back, he went through four weeks with our medical team, and um, it was thorough, and it was experts and multiple MRIs and multiple doctors, um, and we felt good about the process. Uh, He was cleared to play tonight. That was a collaborative decision. Um, I don't believe there's anybody to blame. But I understand this, this world, and um, if you have to, you can blame me. I, ru- I run our basketball di- operations department, and <laughs> obviously choked up there is Bob Myers. Uh, some were questioning the the uh, how genuine that was from Bob Myers. 
uh, the tears in the post-game press conference. I'm not one to, to comment or accuse Bob Myers of tearing up. I, I think it's a situation that was tragic, that's very sad, um, and can be emotional because it's going to be a very long-term injury. But I don't know if crying is something I would have done if I were the general manager. Unless, see, this is the thing, Ryan. It was all an overreaction to me by the Warriors in terms of Bob Myers and just the way all these reports came out and the intensity of it. It's all an overreaction to me if it's a uh, if it's just an accident. Like, it, they, have, they have nothing to do with each other. He happened to have a calf strain, and then he ruptured his Achilles, and it's just a freak accident. He was ready to play. He was 100% ready to go out there. But now the way they reacted, the way they were like, oh, my gosh, we screwed up, that means they rushed him back. And that means their their kind of reaction to this is showing me that they are somewhat at fault in terms of an organization for rushing him back. And they feel like that them rushing him back is the reason that he ruptured his Achilles. And I think Bob Myers indicated that by by getting so choked up in the press conference because he feels responsible. He feels like the organization is responsible for what happened with Kevin Durant. And I think that they might be. I'm not here to toss things around. I still think they're a great organization, but I I think that they do have to take blame for this and and say that they underestimated the possibility of this extreme scenario that they really should have taken into account when when trying to put Kevin Durant back in the game. Well, the first thing I'll say is that I it was such a, a peculiar set of events, you know, at the end of the game last night. You know, to be in a situation where you had just won in thrilling fashion to keep your season alive, to get back home, you know, really something that that is cause for great joy. But at the same time, you have this Kevin Durant yeah. situation going on. I mean, it was it was really surreal kind of following the coverage a- after the game. Uh, it was surreal in the moment, and I'm sure we might get to this. But, I, you know, to have to have Curry and, and Iguodala kind of carrying him off the court or, or walking back to the locker room with him as they were right in the midst of the action. And, and the fan reaction was not not great at the no. beginning. Uh, and, and then Someone have, made an argument that they were cheering for a Baca going sure, for a breakaway sure. dunk, which maybe. But yeah. I don't know. It wasn't a good look. It, it wasn't a good look that Abaka felt the need to quiet the crowd. And, you I, know? and it wasn't just Toronto. People were like, man, Toronto fans are classless. Hey, I was out in public in Athens, and sure. people in sure. Athens bars were cheering for Kevin Durant going down with an injury. Which, by the way, if you ever cheer for anybody ever to get injured, right, it, it, it's just a bad look. Right? <laughs> it's a bad there look. Are, there are the some extreme circumstances where you can maybe explain away, like, hey, just this one guy. But if you're ever just because you're losing... Like, hey, this guy, because Kevin Durant has done nothing wrong to anybody. He just went to this team, right? He's just been he's just been a guy playing basketball. Yeah, and he, and he may not be the most likable guy. <laughs> like, his personality may not be the most likable, but that doesn't mean you want him to get injured. Especially rupturing his Achilles. Yeah, right? e- exactly. It's but, like, I hope he pulls a hammy tonight. Maybe we can grab a win, right? <laughs> yeah, That's right, different right. from, oh, I'm glad that he uh, has a possibly career-ending injury. Right, You know. right. So, so to get back to your point, though, sorry, I, I diverted, but I... You know, it, it's such a challenging situation because I, I I wish I had more of a, a fly on the wall perspective of how all this played out. You Me know, too. because because the, the, there there are those there are NBA guys that were that were all over social media that were talking about and, and giving credit to Kevin Durant because they said that that basically he was so outspoken and, and so active in this process of. He wanted to be out there with his guys, and of course, ultimately, it comes down to the medical staff. But you have to you have to get into the mindset of 
you know, Kevin Durant was surely saying, hey, I want to play. I want to play. I want to play over and over again. And, and then the medical team starts saying, okay, well, he, I think he's okay. I think he's good. And then you get multiple medical guys. Yeah, I, he, he's good for me. Good for me. You know, and so so it's it's so difficult because, you know, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever have a straightforward answer as to if it really was the Warriors' fault. Uh, and, and to your point, Lucas, maybe there are some underlinings here. Maybe there's some things that lead you to believe that. But I, I still have to believe. I, every part of me says that, they had to have had at least at least at least very accurate information that he was healthy and, and they had to have at least had you know the tugging of their arm repeatedly by Durant um so I, I just I think pointing fingers in this situation is so difficult and I and I hope that Durant at some point will come out and and say something in, in regards to you know this is not somebody's fault you know and and if he doesn't ever do that I don't know but I, I just I would like to hear from him a little more I know he was on Instagram uh after the fact but it, yeah it's it's just a really difficult turn of events well let's move on from from it because we don't know any more than we know now and I, I think that all of this will come out with time I think that all the facts will be revealed to the case we'll find out if there is anybody at fault or if it's just a freak accident or maybe a little bit of combination of both which is probably the most likely probably is that they rushed him maybe Maybe it wasn't a horrific decision to rush him back there, and maybe some other players would have been rushed back in the same situation, and Kevin Durant agreed to it, but they probably shouldn't have done it. I think that's where we're going to be sitting with this thing. Let's talk about the series now, because you and I on this show yesterday both said, if the Warriors win Game 5, they're going to win the series. But that was before we thought Kevin Durant is out with an injury. Now where do you sit? Game 6, Game 7. Game 6 is still at Oracle. We made that argument yesterday. Last game ever at an arena, and now there's going to be a standing ovation for an injured Kevin Durant to emotionally prepare the Warriors. What do you think? Do the Warriors still come back down from 3-1? No, not a chance. Not a chance. Uh, And and to be clear, and you said this too, I'm not flip-flopping. I said multiple times yesterday that if... It was a huge if, if Kevin Durant is back and healthy. I even said he could play games 5, 6, and 7, but if he did it in a semi-unhealthy you know, type of way, I-, I was not in on the Warriors. So without Kevin Durant, I'm sorry, man. I- I'm out on the Warriors. I think it's a foregone conclusion the way this is going to go. And, and if I'm wrong, I will-, I will come on this show and I will happily say so. But yesterday, Lucas, you and I both witnessed it. It, it, it took a ridiculous effort for them to have any opportunity to win that game. And yeah. they still almost threw it away. And, and and you're not going to make, I don't know how many they made, you know, 17, 18 threes. You're, you're 20. Not, 20. You're not going to make 20 threes a night. It just isn't going to happen. So could they win game six? I, I do think that's possible because you're, you're right. The emotions, the setting, I, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. In fact, they are favored to win game six. I, I don't think that's crazy. but But I still believe that this series is a foregone conclusion. I think Toronto takes it at worst in seven games. Yeah, to me, I think it moved it from Warriors in seven because KD game seven, I'm taking the best player, to now Raptors in seven because I think you take best player Kawhi Leonard. Agreed. Because I think game six, Kevin Durant, no Kevin Durant, was going to be won by Golden State. If they won game five, they're going to win game six. In my equation, I was saying, okay, win game five with KD, win game six at Oracle, probably don't even need KD there, and then go to game seven, oh, we have the best player on the floor, I'll go ahead and take him, best player on the floor. There's, I, I just, road game sevens are really hard, and I don't think that they'll be able to win a road game seven in Toronto. I, I really don't, especially after the emotions of game six, 
will carry them through. This is why 3-1 comebacks are difficult, because you have to win Game 7. I mean, Game 7 on the road, after emotionally dragging yourself through two games, it's going to take a Herculean effort to win Game 6. You're going to have all that emotion behind the crowd. Then you're going to walk into Toronto's place. Toronto's going to have the best player on the floor. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work for Golden State, and I think that Toronto's going to end up winning the series. I, I just think Golden State's going to win Game 6. I just It's so hard for me to imagine them disappointing that Oracle crowd. I mean, they've done so well for them. I mean, they are 6-1 in elimination games, so I, I just don't see them disappointing the, the Oracle crowd in Game 6. I, I don't think that's crazy. I, I definitely, you know, again, they're favored for a reason. I I, I think it's going to depend, again, on shooting really well. It's going to depend on Clay and, and Steph being out of this world. Uh, it's also going to depend, this is important, and, and this goes overlooked a little bit, Draymond Green cannot pick up another technical. He, he literally is at six technicals. If he gets one more, he is suspended for a finals game. I, I, I hope that he realizes. He's an emotional guy. I get it, whatever. I hope he realizes they literally cannot survive if he gets technical oh, no. number seven. You know, So there, there's just so many factors, Lucas, and I, I, I don't disagree with you. you know, if, I, if I was a betting man, I would go Golden State game six, 100%. Uh, I, I think it's going to be really close. I don't think they're going to win easily. But I, I would put my money, if I did that, I'd, I'd put it on Golden State Game 6. But, yeah, I, I just I cannot imagine a scenario where they're able to overcome the emotions of Game 5, play another entire game on their home floor, and, and somehow, like you said, Herculean is the way to put it, somehow win Game 6, and then still have the emotional energy, the physical energy to again play at Toronto uh, against a team that, frankly, is deeper and and overall better. You know, I, I think some of the star power is, favors Golden State, but overall, Toronto's the better team, they're the deeper team, and, and they have Kawhi Leonard. So, uh, now I'm not changing my opinions at all. I still think Durant's better. I still think that, that Durant yep. wins this series for I think the Durant proved he was better in those 12 minutes. Sure. And I think, you know, Troy sent me a text there at the at, at the end of the game when Kawhi went on his 10-point flourish. Yeah. And I was like, did you the, the first 12 minutes of the game Kevin Durant was making an incredible statement. He was going to drop 40 points. If that Achilles stayed healthy, that man was going to drop 40, and he was going to win that game, and we'd be coming on this show and saying, the series might be over, and Golden State's is down 3-2. We'd be saying, there's no way. There's no way Toronto could beat this if he's playing like that. That's what we were looking at. We were looking at one of the greatest performances of all time coming up from Kevin Durant before that Achilles injury. So I, I think last night only strengthens my argument because the way he came out, the determination in his eyes, no doubt in my mind he would have dropped at least 30 points. Yeah, and, and one of my buddies sent me a text, and obviously this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek. You know, it's a joke, but he sent me a text as soon as he went down and he said, well, go ahead and give the MVP award for the series to Kevin Durant. You know, because his absence is is probably going to be that impactful. I mean, you know, it it is... You look at a, a four-game series without him to begin, you know, four games. Golden State was really out, overmatched, you know, and that's why they're down 3-1. to one. And, and then he comes back, and like you said, he was extremely productive in, in the early part of his performance. He helped build a substantial lead, a lead that they held through the entirety of the game until the fourth quarter. And, and if it wasn't for the back-to-back-to-back threes from Clay and Steph when they were down six, put them back up three... If it wasn't for that one moment of greatness, 
the series was over. You know, so the impact of Durant or lack thereof, you know, the the, the absence of Durant is is immeasurable in this series. And, and again, that's why I think ultimately, whether it's Game Six or Game Seven, this will be Toronto's series to win. All right, interesting question at the end of the show here. Reds are coming up in just a minute on the sports fan. Well, after the sports fan. Should the NBA shorten the regular season, Ryan? Because we're looking at all these injuries. It's been injury, injury, injury always in the playoffs. It's been that way for the past 10, 15 years. I think that they should shorten the regular season, and I think they should shorten the first round of five games. I think both of those things should happen. They won't, though, because you're sacrificing a lot of box office sales if you do that. Yeah, that, that's the that's the challenge with it. I, I'd be receptive to the shortened first round series in particular. I do like that. I like it about Major League Baseball. Uh, I like the wild card system in baseball. You know, I, I like the shortened just version of the playoffs in general. I think they should do a play in game for the eight seed between nine and eight, and then I think they should do a one game play in, and then I think they should do a five game first round series. It's interesting. I don't know if I I don't know if I'd do the play in. Maybe, but definitely I, I like the five game. Uh, series wouldn't that be cool though? End of the season, watch My, I, one team I'd have, to, to, I'd have to look at stats. I'd have to look at what the nine and the eight look like. Like if it's if it's close every year, then I'd be in. But if it's not that close, it wouldn't do a whole lot for me. You know it really I mean? depends on the year. Some years like neck and neck. Some years it's eight games. And and how many times has the eight seed actually beaten the one? Like almost none. So yeah. it's like for me, like why do a play in game for the what's? Well, why do the first happen? four? You know, in the NCAA tournament. You know, just for fun, yeah. sell some tickets. Yeah, I for that I just feel like it's giving giving college kids another opportunity. You know, to and then how play about on a big stage? I don't know. Well, how about in that playing game? No, no, you can't tie lottery <laughs> to it. I was trying to make maybe oh, tie some lottery, yeah. lottery, but you can't tie lottery implications to it because then it's you might try to fall back in that seed, and right? All those things. Yeah, it's a fascinating concept to say the least, but. Um, you know, I'm good with the regular season, but I would I would go five game first round. I, I would I would be receptive. Yeah, I think that should be a 65 game regular season. I think it's a little too long. You know what? If they took away some of the cross conference and and just focused on playing your conference for 65, I I could be okay with that. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely possible. You know what was possible? Really fun sports fan. That was Ryan Boyd over there. I'm Lucas Moore. We want to thank you so much for listening. Cincinnati Reds coming your way right now. This is 97. W-A-T-H. The following is a special sports presentation of 970 W-A-T-H, Athens.